Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Using technology and logistics to feed people is everything. It is everything, and I'm so uh, happy to have this powerhouse on today. Joining me with Renee Seiler is the founder of GoodR, GoodR.co, the one and only Jasmine Crow Houston. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi. Uh, hi, Karen. Thanks for having me. Hey, Renee. Hey. Hey, I was, we were talking during the break uh, about hunger and, you know, many of us don't know what that is. Some of us fast. We, you know, we've gone without food, but to not have food. I was um, reading somebody's timeline. Dr. Hervé was like, shout out to all of us that had to eat marinade sandwiches. Look at us now. And I remember yeah. being, uh, being over a, my mother would leave me with a friend of hers and I remember I loved going over there because she had so many kids and it was so much fun. I, they had mayonnaise sandwiches and I thought it was delicious, you know, <laughs> but they didn't have any. I didn't realize that they did not have anything to put between the bread. But I thought the mayonnaise sandwich was slapping and I wanted to go over there just to eat the mayonnaise sandwich. But I didn't associate that with poverty or being food insecure. But today I absolutely understand, you know, I was yeah. actually eating some of their food that I shouldn't have been eating either. probably, But yeah. What, what does food insecurity look like today? It looks so different. You know, there are still those stories just like that. You think there is a lot of um, single parent households where there is a mother or a father who are working and there are children that are fending for themselves. There's a, a huge gap, what I call a meal gap in this country where people may be, I think there's a big, I think, uh, falsehood, right, that everyone who's food insecure, people that are are living in poverty, they all get food stamps, they all get, you know, they're living off the government. And that is just a flat out lie. Even families that are getting food SNAP benefits are often still coming up on this meal gap where there's like a couple of days, anywhere from seven to 10 days a month, where they just don't know when and where their next meal is coming from. And that's really the definition of food insecurity is you just don't know when you're going to have a meal. Um, You're still seeing things like parents uh, choosing not to eat so that they can feed their kids. And I would be really clear to say too, Karen, there's probably a lot of people that are still eating, you know, mayonnaise sandwiches. I remember maybe a month ago, uh, working at one of our weekend programs. And one of the kids was like, yeah, we had some sugar, some sugar toast this morning. And I was like, oh, what is that? And he was just like, you know, just bread with some sugar on it. And I mean, that's literally what they have for breakfast because those are two ingredients that they had in the household. And so the kids, you know, were saying they had sugar toast. And that is the reality of nearly 40 million people in this country. And seven to 10 days to go without knowing where your next meal is coming from. That's 10 days is, is a third of the month. That, that's a long, long time. Well, you know, there's a big piece of it is that even if you are getting food SNAP benefits, right? And you're getting SNAP, but you live in a food desert. So then what ends up happening is say you get $700 a month and you live more than 15 to 20 minutes from the nearest grocery store and you don't have a car, a lot of times you start to use those SNAP benefits in and around your community. And why that's a big issue is a gallon of milk at say a giant or a larger grocery store, maybe $3 a gallon. A gallon of milk at your corner store is gonna be $7 a gallon. So you're spending your SNAP benefits 
foods at a much faster rate, not getting as much healthy food that you would be getting. Or you think of kids, you know, when a parent has children going to school that maybe are getting free breakfast and lunch or reduced lunch, when they're out for spring break or summer, their food bills drastically increase, but their food SNAP benefits do not. So you're getting the same amount of money, regardless if you have kids in the house every single day, or if you have kids that are going to school. And so there are times in these periods where there's just a huge fluctuation of what families can afford to put in their household. And let's not even talk about, Karen, the price of food. I mean, the cost of food right now is just, it's skyrocketed and the additional benefits that families were getting during the pandemic as of March 31st have ended all across this country. So it's a big deal. So how did you get involved with providing people with food and then getting out and using technology to relieve hunger? Well, you know, I started, I've been vested in this fight now for over a decade. It's crazy to think about, but I had relocated to Atlanta, Georgia, maybe two or three years after graduating um, from undergrad. And I drove through downtown and just saw hundreds of people that were experiencing homelessness and just thought to myself, I need to do something. I, I don't know what it was, but when, some, when something shakes you in the moment and it pulls on your heartstrings, a lot of times there's no answering why that happened or how that happened. But for me, I saw people that were homeless. I decided I was going to start cooking for them. I went home, posted on Facebook. I'm starting this. Wait, wait Jasmine, you Jasmine, you know, that's not <laughs> usual. Jasmine Crow Houston is here. Like you went home and decided you were going to cook for people to take the food back out. Like what, what in your background, your upbringing, your Jesus that, that led you to this? I really don't know. You know, I learned to cook when I was in college and couldn't afford to go home uh, one Thanksgiving. I worked in retail. And so I had to be back, you know, the day uh, after Thanksgiving, because you have to, you know, everybody in retail knows you got to work on Black Friday. And so I couldn't afford the flight that would have taken me there and got me back in time. So I ended up cooking for all of my friends, you know, mainly all my friends from like New York and DC and college, we were in North Carolina that couldn't afford to go home. So that's how I learned to cook. That's that background. The the idea of feeding the homeless and feeding people in need, you know, I don't know where that came from. That just like I said, something hit me one day and I I started feeding people and was feeding anywhere from three to 500 people every other week um, in downtown Atlanta. Wait, that okay, home- back up Jasmine again, Jasmine. Okay, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I have a little kitchen. I, I don't even know where to start feeding three to 500 people, 300 to 500 people. What were you making? How were you delivering it? I'm sure you couldn't do it by yourself. Yes. Well, I was definitely cooking by myself for probably the first two years. And then one of my girlfriends from college had relocated to Atlanta and she started coming and helping me. Uh, But it was it was like all day Saturday. I would cook the meats. Um, I would wake up really early Sunday morning and start making the side items. But when I went downtown to serve the food, I always had volunteers. So I did all the cooking and like all the heavy lifting, but like all the unloading and the serving 
having tons of volunteers helped me. And that initiative was called uh, Sunday Soul ATL. And, and when I would go to other cities like DC or Baltimore, New Orleans, I would call it Sunday Soul New Orleans or Sunday Soul Baltimore. And I was doing that for almost five years. And in 2016, a video of one of my pop-up restaurants that I was doing for the homeless community went viral. And I woke up on Facebook and it was scary. You know, I had never been viral before. So I was like, what's going on? I just had so many friend requests that it was like 100 plus. And, you know, there was, you know, usually when you log on to like Facebook, you have like three or four notifications. So it was like 100 plus across the board. It was read everywhere. And this 15 second clip had went viral and people were like, this is the most amazing thing. This is so great. And as I'm reading through the comments, one of the reoccurring questions people kept asking me was who donated the food? And the truth was nobody. I was couponing, I was price matching. I always say I'm the reason Walmart doesn't price match anymore because I would take in all the circulars to Walmart and just wow. price match everything that was on sale. And then I would cook all that food and, you know, serve all that food. So I Googled, Karen, very simply, what happens to extra food at the end of the night from businesses? And I fell down this deep rabbit hole about food waste. And I was, you know, blown away and, and upset that here I am living in the richest country in the world. And we are wasting 80 billion pounds of perfectly good food. And I'm struggling to figure out how I'm going to come up with food to feed three or 500 people that are homeless on the streets. And it's getting thrown away every night. And that is where I started thinking I wanted to solve the, the problem. All right. And well, you, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Renee. I, just, I was just going to say, and, and so you're really, to your point, and you just laid this out beautifully, it really wasn't about scarcity. It was about logistics. And that's really one of the things that you're trying to drive home is that it's not the, for, for lack of food. It's that just trying to get, work it out logistically, right? For sure. 100%. It wasn't, it was that how, why is all this food getting driven to landfills instead of getting driven to people? And that's where I said, Renee, that, you know, hunger wasn't an issue of scarcity. It's not that we need, we don't have enough food to feed everybody. We're, we're producing and making the food and that we're throwing it away. So, oh, I mean, this is um, Jasmine Crow Houston. I'm, I'm still obsessed with you cooking for three to five, 300 to 500 people. What was your go to so many meal pictures. every day, every Sunday? It was whatever what, what was on making? sale. It was whatever was on sale. So, if the grocery store had pasta on sale, then we were having an Italian theme. If if taco kits and stuff like that were on sale, it was like a Mexican themed restaurant, whatever was on sale. Well, I will tell you this, I got really good at making chicken and really good at making pasta because those were the things that could really stretch. So mm. you know, chicken and pasta were definitely kind of my go-tos, but I mean, I had salads out there for our anniversaries, I would do fun stuff like crab legs. And now keep in mind, this is back in the day when like crab legs would be like $8.99 a pound. And I would go and get like 15 pounds and people would deliver them to me. I get everybody like a cluster of crab legs. And, you know, the thing that everyone used to always say to me, I mean, one guy told me once, he was like, oh, you should run for president one day. It was the dignity. It wasn't so much that I was serving people food. It was the dignity in which I was giving to people whom so many people have forgotten about. And in saying, 
hey, here are our options today. Would you like fish? Would you like chicken? Wow. Are you know, would you like like that was the big difference. And you know, my restaurants, I would rent tables and chairs and linens and literally sit them down, Karen, and give them a menu and ask them, what do you want to mm. order today? Here's here's what's on the menu. And that is obviously why it went viral. Um, Ooh, but man. it was a lot of cooking. You are, <laughs> you are you are the model, the blueprint, Jasmine Crow Houston, of what it means to be a human being in this time. As if people are unhoused because something's wrong with them or because they're, you know, the people who are on the streets are treated like they're not human beings. And shame so on us. Shame on us. And, you know, you you showing them just a, a mod- modicum of courtesy and, and humanity what what was the impact you know give us a couple of stories of people who you know sat at your table I mean I've seen people cry I remember one time I got upgraded on a flight and right before dinner I was in first class and they came around and they gave us these warm like washcloths to kind of wash our hands on the plane and I was like oh my god I'm going to do this and so I would dry, I would go around once they would sit down and we would pour hot water over white washcloths and allow them to just wash their hands and I would see them like washing their faces and just toasting and like praise god like just they were so happy I mean they they looked for me to come and I would always hire several of them to kind of help us with the cleanup and the setup and you know really started to learn their stories and and learn that, which a lot of us know, sometimes it's it's addiction issues that people are, are homeless for. Um, sometimes it's mental health issues that people are experiencing. So I think what I learned at the most, at the root of it is that people, they were people, you know, one story I'll never forget. There was a family, there were seven kids, a husband and a wife, and they used to sell their food stamps in order to pay their rent. Um, and one time they were down there and I was like, you know, I heard y'all got a house, you know, what's going on? How's everything going? And he said, you know, we bring the kids, they would take the bus with their seven kids to come to my feedings on those Sundays when I would be there so that they could eat. Cause they were going to feed all the kids. They'd all have a Sunday dinner. And then I would always give them extra stuff. Like if we had extra drinks, I don't care if it was extra cups, whatever it was that we could send them home with. And I, that always just stuck with me. And years later, uh, the rapper two chains had learned about the family. I don't know how he saw them. He learned about them and had put them in a house. And, and so that family is doing well now. And uh, thanks to two chains that helped them get a house, but that was a family that for years I served that would literally drive and get on the bus to come in and eat with me. So the food was good and they, they knew it was being made with love, you know, and I, I just was thinking about it today, Karen, because I remember one Easter Sunday, I was doing an Easter event and someone had called the police on me and I got a citation, you know, and I ended up having to do, funnily enough, community service. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had got, you know, so it was, I was really that's, doing it. That's so insane. They gave you community service. It, yeah. I had to do 30 hours of community service. So basically the the reason why I got the ticket or, you know, the citation was technically for like feeding in a park without a permit is really what I got it for. Like doing, having an activity in the park without a permit. But what I was really doing was feeding, feeding people that were homeless and, you know, a well-to-do neighbor didn't want them there and called the police on me. So it's, it's been a journey. So Jasmine, like what, what is, 
we, we clearly, we know you have an enormous heart, <laughs> but what is your sort of business background and, and your, where does this come from in terms of the, the making it work financially for you? Yeah. So this is a great question. So, you know, my background has always been really in the nonprofit space. Um, I spent years helping celebrities, primarily Black celebrities, define their giving blueprint, right? How are they going to use their star power for good? So when I was starting Gooder, I knew that I didn't want it to be a nonprofit because I didn't have the star power that my celebrity clients had that automatically makes their nonprofits have notoriety. And I knew it was hard to get donations. And what I saw, Renee, was that businesses were already paying to throw the food away. So they were paying your waste companies already. Like no one takes your, none of our trash bills are free, right? Like someone is getting paid to take the trash. And so I came to the table and said, hey, I'm going to create a sustainable waste solution, right? Like this is something that they would otherwise put in landfill, but I will come and if that food is edible, I'm going to get it donated to nonprofits. If it's not edible, I'll help them recycle it. And so I came to these businesses almost as a waste company that wasn't for landfill and and started really charging just like a waste company, a volume-based fee-for-service based on how much waste and how often I was going to have to come out and recover it. And then just a subscription fee to our technology. And it it, it kind of caught on because the biggest thing was that They were already paying it. It wasn't newfound spend. That's the hardest, right? When you're like, hey, you've never paid for this before, but can you pay for it now? But if they're already paying for it, that's when you have a bigger opportunity to show them how you're better. Wow. Mm. Mm. Uh, So right now, uh, Jasmine, you you became the, I think, 35th Black woman to uh get a million dollars from vcs to do this wow yeah that was it was around it was that wasn't a lot of us and that's so sad there was just so few of us by the time i had raised a million dollars in in 2018 there just weren't a lot of us there just were not a lot of us and so yeah it's it's crazy to think that we i was the 35th how does how does how do we interact with gooder how do we besides buying your book everybody eats which we are going to tweet out get the book get the book get the book get the book book. for your children for your library get the book just to support jasmine crow houston yes every book is a kid so it's a it's a win yeah um you know we do a lot karen in the hunger space as well so gooder you know the food waste part of our business which i told you about is is thriving so businesses that are out there if you work for a company i don't care if it's a technology company, uh, education company, there is food being served in that cafeteria, ask them what's happening to it. If they say it's going to waste, you know, tell them about good or that's one thing that every listener could do. But we do a ton in the hunger space and that really spun up for us around the pandemic when the businesses that we were serving were out of business. I knew from my work feeding people on the streets that there was going to be a lot of people that were food insecure. And so we have since opened about 15 free standing grocery stores inside of Title I schools um, that we work with sponsors to provide food in those grocery stores for the periods of years and years so that kids 
can go to school and bring home food for their families and not have to worry about going hungry. Um, we're post where we just launched our first mobile grocery store. I had to send you some pictures of it, Karen. So it's literally a 26 foot truck that we can drive into food deserts and give families food for free. So, so powerful. Why don't why aren't you a household name? Why aren't you? Why don't you have more followers than, than... I, I haven't been on your show yet? So now, oh it's my gonna, god, now I, I pray that my <laughs> audience is big enough to make. I mean, seriously, I pray to God that this audience is big enough to magnify your name. You are, oh, I, I, can't, I can't even express what you're doing yeah. and, and why it's so important. And it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. Not everyone gets, this is a calling, you know, this yeah. is what it looks like to be called to do something. This is man. Oof. And Jasmine on the, the, the grocery stores that are in the title one schools, it's not just groceries either. Right. You have like some household, um, personal, right. Yeah. Toiletry items. We opened our first one in 2021 with the rapper Gunna. Uh, we've been, we are opening one on Thursday, actually in Minnetonka, believe it or not, Minnesota. So I've never even been, but I'm headed to Minnesota on Thursday. And we worked with uh, Paige Buckners, who is a a UConn basketball player and she had an NIL deal and actually wanted her NIL deal to do something good. And so she's opening wow. one of our grocery stores in her former middle school. Um, wow. So we're, you know, we really have been, we've opened one um, in partnership with Amazon and Aetna, actually two in D the Denver area. Um, we've worked with just different, I mean, so many different partners have come in and opened these grocery stores all over the country. So not even just in Atlanta. And we're trying to open more of them. And it's, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And if you really think about how we have solved hunger in this country for decades, we were doing canned good drives when I was a student, when I was in elementary school, you know, I'll be 40 next year. Like this is way past time for us to think of other solutions to solve hunger. And that's what we're doing. We really are, we're being innovative, we're being forward thinking, and we're putting people and their dignity first. Because if you are food insecure and you're on your, you know, your hope is gone, you know, why are we giving you a box of food that's old and it's just, you know, cans that don't have wrappers on them or that are dented, things that have been on clearance and marked down and just saying, here, be thankful, go make a meal out of it. It's just not how it works. And that's how it's been going and, and happening for a really long time and it goes back to kindergarten you know treat people how you want to be treated and if if you were in that situation I guarantee you you would not want someone to just give you a box of food without any regard to your your dietary restrictions your religious convictions it matters you know giving people better experiences and dignity it needs to be the way you, uh, I would love to have you back. You are an inspiration on so many levels. Jasmine Crow Houston, follow her at Jasmine Crow on the Twitters. You can see all of the things, including her little beautiful baby, her little baby girl. Oh my gosh, she is, she is adorable. You're adorable inside and out. Um, everything I want to support. Good R Co. Uh, go check that out. Good R, the good R. Co. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.